0: Today's reading is from the Holy Bible, New International Version. I'll be reading Matthew 25, 31 through 46. The Sheep and the Goats When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needed clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink, I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you. He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for me, or for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life.
1: Let's take a moment to pray. God, we pray that you would open our hearts this morning, that we would hear the words of your Son, even when they are difficult words to hear. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our spirits be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, I was on my way to a meeting in Port Huron. I was carpooling with my friend Jerry. Jerry was a pastor in the next town over, and so we often ended up carpooling to meetings together. And the thing about carpooling with Jerry is that Jerry always had to be the one to drive. Uh, Jerry was, was a nervous sort of person. He was afraid of many things, including riding in a car when someone else was driving. And so if you wanted to carpool with Jerry, then Jerry had to be behind the wheel, which would have been fine Except for the fact that Jerry was a terrible driver. Jerry, Jerry had no sense of direction. And while he was driving, he would get talking and distracted. And then all of a sudden, he would say, wait a minute, was that our exit? And then you'd have to spend 15 minutes backtracking to the place where you were, were supposed to be. And that's what happened to us on that day when we were traveling to a meeting in Port Huron. We were driving, and, and Jerry was talking. And then all of a sudden, Jerry said, wait a minute, was that our exit? And then Jerry said, oh, no, no. We're going to Canada." Which can happen if you're not careful in Port Huron and, and you miss your exit. Uh, suddenly, we found that we were in a line waiting to go through a checkpoint to get on a bridge to, to go to Canada. Well, Jerry started to, to panic, and he kept saying, Oh, no, this is terrible. We're going we're gonna to be late for our meeting. And he kept looking at his watch and becoming more and more anxious. And then finally, we got up to the, the front of the line, and Jerry rolled down his window. And the man there at the, the booth, he leaned down and said, What's your destination? And, and Jerry said, our destination is right back there. He said, we didn't want to go to Canada. We don't want to go on the bridge. He said, all we want to do is turn around because we have a meeting and we we took a wrong turn. And would it be possible for us to, to just turn around right now and not even go on the bridge? And the man in the booth said, no. He said, I'm afraid at this point you've got to drive through the checkpoint and then you need to turn around and get in that line over there to go through that checkpoint to come back in to the United States. And so Jerry sighed and he said okay, and so we drove onto the bridge, and he did a U-turn, and then we got in the line to go through, through U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. And Jerry kept looking at his watch, and he said, well, we're going to be late, but I think we can get to most of the meeting. He said, we, we took a little detour, but I suppose he said that things could have been worse. And that's when I knew I had to tell Jerry that things were about to get worse. Yeah, the thing is, that morning when Jerry pulled into my driveway and honked his horn, I was running a little late. I was was not entirely ready to go, and so I started running around the house and grabbing all of my things, got my house keys, check. got my briefcase, check. got my wallet. No, wait, I don't have my wallet. Where is my wallet? And so I started power walking around the house looking for my wallet in all the places where I usually lose my wallet, but I couldn't find my wallet. My wallet was nowhere to be seen, and then Jerry out in the driveway honked the horn again, and so I I just then, in that that moment, made a split-second decision. I said, well, I said, do I really need my wallet? I said, I'm just going to a meeting in Port Huron. It's not like I'm planning to leave the country or something. (laughs) And so I left without my wallet. And now here I am on a bridge in between the United States and Canada with no wallet, no driver's license, no passport, no form of identification whatsoever. Not even so much as a blockbuster video membership card. I had nothing to prove who I was. And, uh, and so I turned to Jerry and I said, Jerry, I said, there's something I got to tell you. I said, I need you to remain calm. <laughs> and then I told Jerry... And Jerry did not remain calm. Jerry, Jerry started hyperventilating and then he started sweating through his, his shirt and his face turned bright purple and his hands started twitching. He got this sort of a, a tick and Jerry, Jerry just kept saying, this is terrible. What are we going to do? Are they going to make us stay on this bridge for the rest of our lives? Are they going to Do they throw people in prison for this kind of thing? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And all the while, we kept getting closer and closer to the, the checkpoint at the front of the line and then finally we pulled up to the the checkpoint and jerry rolled down his window and the the border patrol officer leaned down and he said passports please and then jerry started talking a mile a minute he said listen so here's the thing my friend and i we were well he's not really my friend we just go to meetings together <laughs> Sometimes. We were on our way to a meeting in Port Huron, and we took a wrong turn, and we got off the exit. We don't want to go to the bridge. We haven't even been to Canada. We just came from over there. If you ask that guy over there, he will tell you that we just did a U-turn. And anyway, here's the thing. This is funny. I'm sure you're going to think this is funny. My friend this morning, well, he's not really my friend. He left the house without, without his wallet. He doesn't have any form of ID, but he is an American citizen. We're both American citizens. And so if you could just let us through so we could get to our meeting, that would be great. And while Jerry was talking, I'm watching the Border Patrol officer look us up and down. And I can see he's working through some kind of a mental checklist. And, and I'm sure we're ticking every box on that list. There you, have, there you have Jerry with his purple face and his sweaty shirt and his twitchy hands. And, 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 there, and there you have me with this face and, and this beard and, and no identification. And so finally when Jerry ran out of steam, the, the officer leaned down even farther and he looked at me. He said, sir... I said, do I understand that you don't have any identification? And Jerry said, that's absolutely right. This is what I'm trying to tell you. As he left the house, and, and the Border Patrol officer said, sir, I asked your friend a question. I'd like to hear him answer. And so Jerry took a deep breath and he was quiet for a minute and then I told the whole story about leaving the house and the wallet and the meeting in Port Huron and the missed exit and when we got to the end of the story the the patrol officer he said okay he said here's what we're going to do he said if you've ever had an American passport then I should be able to type your information in and look up who you are in my computer here and then we can get you back in the country and on your way and Jerry said oh that would be fantastic thank you and so Jerry started to relax and then the, the officer started asking questions he said Name. I told him my name, he said address, and so I gave him my address, and then he said place of birth, and that's when I knew that we were really going to be late for our meeting. <laughs> See, when my, my parents graduated from college, they wanted to be teachers, but there weren't a lot of teaching jobs in Michigan at that time. Where there were teaching jobs was, was Australia. And so my parents decided that they would have an adventure and that they would spend a couple years living in Australia. So that's what they did. They went to the other side of the world for a couple years. While they were there, they had a baby. That baby was me. I was born in Australia. Not a lot of people know that about me. Jerry did not know that about me. And so when the Border Patrol officer said a place of birth, I swallowed hard, and I said, Australia. And that's when Jerry's head exploded. (laughs) Well, after, after we scraped Jerry off the, the ceiling of the car, the Border Patrol officer said, Sir, I'd like for you to pull over in that lane over there. The lane that's marked the, the special lane for dangerous weirdos. And so... So we pulled over into the special lane for dangerous weirdos and then they searched us and they searched our car and they asked us all kinds of questions until they decided that we were definitely weirdos, but we probably weren't dangerous. And, and so they finally sent us on our way. Well, at that point, we didn't even bother going to our meeting in Port Huron. We just, we just turned around and came straight home. We missed our meeting. But, but on the other hand, they did let us back in the country. And so I suppose that the story has a happy, has a happy ending. But, but I have to tell you... Uh, I will never forget the way I felt sitting there at that checkpoint, uh, not knowing whether or not they were ever going to actually let us let us in. I'll never forget the way I felt sitting on that bridge waiting at that border. It was not a pleasant feeling. It was it was an uncomfortable sort of feeling. It was a deeply unsettled sort of feeling. It's the same kind of feeling that I get whenever I read I read this morning's scripture reading. In today's scripture reading, Jesus tells a, a parable of judgment. How do you feel when you hear me say that word, judgment? Does that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? Does that make you feel a little bit unsettled? That word judgment often has that effect on United Methodists. Methodists don't, don't like to talk about judgment. We don't like to hear sermons about judgment. United Methodist preachers don't like to preach sermons about judgment. We would much rather talk about God's love and God's mercy and God's kindness and forgiveness and grace. And we would be perfectly happy never to talk about judgment at all on a Sunday morning. Because just the idea of judgment may Makes us uncomfortable uncomfort- and, and unsettled. And of course, maybe that's the, exactly the reason why every once in a while we need to hear about God's, God's judgment. And not long ago, I was uh, having lunch with a, a man who has just recently become a United Methodist. He's not a court streeter, but he's a United Methodist now. And, and we were talking about churches and things. And he told me, I'm a United Methodist now, he said, but I grew up in a, a different church. I grew up in a very different kind of church, he said, where it wasn't, it wasn't unusual to hear sermons about judgment. He said, every Sunday we would go to worship, and, and the preacher would get up in the pulpit, and he would start banging his fist on the pulpit, and he would give us these sermons about fire. And brimstone and, and God's judgment, and he would spend all Sunday morning beating people around the head with the Bible and calling people out on their sins until they were ready to get down on their knees and, and repent of everything that they had ever done. He said, I'm so glad I'm not part of a church like that anymore. He said, when I grew up in that church, he said, I had this burden of guilt and shame that I carried around on my shoulders. And I was afraid of God and I was spiritually unhealthy in 17 different ways, he said. And I am so glad that I got out of that church and I found the United Methodist Church where where we talk more about God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and, and kindness. He said, I love being a United Methodist. He said, but. Whenever people say, I love being a United Methodist, the next word is always but. He said, but. He said, I hope you won't mind a little friendly criticism from somebody who has come to love the United Methodist Church. He said, it seems to me that the United Methodist Church could do with just a pinch more of a sense of God's judgment. He said, now I know that that church that I grew up in was unhealthy and even abusive, and there were all kinds of terrible things about that church that I grew up in. He said, but the one thing that you had to give them, the one good thing that you really could say about the people in the church that I grew up in is that they were motivated. When we left worship on Sunday morning, people in that congregation were motivated to roll up their sleeves and do the work of God all week long because they believed that someday we're going to stand before God and we're going to have to give an accounting of how we spent our time here on earth. And so the people in that church worked hard to honor God, to serve God, and to find God in their lives, he said. And, and I hope you won't mind me saying that sometimes I feel like maybe United Methodists are missing that sense of motivation. He said, sometimes it feels like we talk so much about God's love and God's grace and kindness that we end up taking God's love and God's grace and God's kindness for granted. And we, we don't answer God's call. Instead, we serve God when we feel like serving God. And we volunteer for ministries when it's convenient for us to volunteer for ministries. We don't feel the same motivation that I felt when I was in that church growing up, he said. And it seems to me that maybe maybe the United Methodist Church would be a little bit healthier if maybe every once in a while we had just a little bit of a sermon about God's judgment. Because Jesus was not afraid to talk about God's judgment. In today's scripture reading, Jesus talks about God's judgment. In today's scripture reading, Jesus tells us what we can expect on on the day of judgment. Jesus says on the day of judgment all the nations of the world will gather at the, the checkpoint that leads to the kingdom of heaven. All the nations, all the peoples of the world will gather in front of that gateway and there will be a man sitting on a throne at that gate and then that man will look at the people as they come to him. The son of man, the king on his throne will look at those people and to some of those people the king on his throne will say come you who are blessed by my Father, enter into the reward that was prepared for you before the foundations of the earth were laid. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous, those who are blessed, will say to him, Lord, when do we do these things? When did we see you hungry and thirsty? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? And then the king on his throne will say to them, Truly I tell you, whatever you have done to the least of these my siblings, you have also done to me. And that's the part where we United Methodists usually like to stop reading this parable. That's the part where a lot of preachers decide, We've had enough, We've had enough of this parable for one Sunday. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on. And this next part is harder to hear for, my, for Methodists then Jesus says, the king will look at other people as they come to him, and the king will say, depart from me, go away from me, you who are accursed. For I was hungry, and you did not give me food. I was thirsty, and you did not give me water. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you did not come to see me. And then those who are cursed will say to him, Lord, when did we do these things? When did we see you hungry and thirsty? When did, we, when did we see you a stranger and not welcome you? And the king on his throne will say, Truly I tell you, whatever you have not done for the least of these, my siblings, you have not done for me. Jesus describes the day of judgment this way. Jesus says, On the day of judgment, all of us will be immigrants. On the day of judgment, all of us will be refugees. On the day of judgment, all of us will walk up to one last border crossing. On the day of judgment, all of us will approach one last checkpoint, and there will be a man on a throne in the booth, and the man will ask us questions. And Jesus says, "On that day, nobody is going to ask you what the nation is on the front of your passport. On that day, nobody is going to ask you where you were born. On that day, nobody's going to ask you were you a Methodist or were you a Baptist or were you a Buddhist. On that day, Jesus says, the only." The only question that matters is this. How did you welcome others when you were the one standing at the door? How did you welcome others when you were the one who had the power to decide who gets in and who stays out? Jesus says the kindness that we show to others is the kindness we can expect to receive on that day. The mercy we give to others is the mercy we can expect to receive on that day. The welcome we give to others is the welcome we can expect to receive on that day. And if that idea makes us uncomfortable, and if that idea makes us feel a little bit unsettled, and if that idea motivates us to open the door just a little bit wider, then maybe that's exactly the point. Let's pray. God, give us the courage to listen to Jesus even when he speaks about judgment. God, give us the courage to think about eternal things. God, give us the courage to open the door a little bit wider. That the door might be opened wider for us. In Jesus we pray. Amen.